as a family. We see, you know, I, I don't, I, for months, years possibly, with, with Pavel, I, I'd call him Paul, I'd call him Powell, because there's a W, and in my head it's Powell. No, it's Pavel, and it took me years to get to know. And then Barbara, it's like, I'm, you know I'm not good with names, all right? So it, it took me a while. To, but Barbara, an English name, it was like, oh, this is easy. But we had Denise come in as well, and it's like, Denise, Denise, Barbara's sister. No, they're not sisters, but it is, I get confused by all the names. But Wilberforce, I only got confused with Wilberforce when, when Mrs. Wilberforce turned around and said, Wilbur. It's like, no, it's, and then Wilberforce corrected his wife and said, no, it's Wilberforce. So I, I think I've got it now. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a little interview. Um, we, the team already know what I'm going to ask. Um, we're just going to find out a little bit about what church, what their journey of Christian, Christianity was like, um, and a little bit about their background in, in their home nations. Um, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you, Paul, Pavel, Going to ask you first. There we go. Going to ask you first, and then if you can hand the mic to the other two, and then I'm going to ask Wilberforce, and then we'll pass it back, and we'll do it that way. So, if each of you can ask, answer these, the first question: uh, Where, where were, or so, were you brought up in a church? If yes, what was the name of the church? If no, when did you get saved? No, I'm not sure of it. It's, a, it's the yellow one. We'll take another one. We got the green one. No, which color would you like? Black one. Charlie, what did you do with your mic? We're on black now. Is it turned on? On mute, there we go. Morning, all. Hey. <laughs> okay, so as you know, I'm from Poland. Uh, my church was a Catholic church. It was um, uh, St. Catherine's Church in a small village called uh, Swawęcin. And I was brought up initially as a, uh, as a Catholic and baptized and saved um, properly <laughs> when I was 19 uh, in UK, in Southampton, in a family church, Southampton. Oh, wow. <laughs> so Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. Hello, my name is Barbara. I'm from Brazil. Uh, my church in Brazil is called uh, Batista Church, uh, Batista Gethsemane uh, in Belo Horizonte, in Minas Gerais. So, yeah, that's that. And you, you got saved in that church? I got saved, and uh, when I was 80 years old, when I was 80 years old. Okay, fantastic. Eight years old. That's great. Yes, I'm Wilbur Foss from Kenya. Um, I get brought up by a Methodist church, so, but I get saved in 2010 in a deliverance church in Nairobi. Wonderful. Yes. Okay, second question is, you've answered it all already. Uh, what was your church denomination? Um, who, uh, let me ask a different question. Who led you to the Lord? Was it... Was it in a church service, or was it a friend who led you to the Lord, or do you know? Yeah, uh, me, the person who led me to the Lord was not even a friend, but it was uh, because 
is, is a really long story I just told my pastor a uh, few weeks ago. But the person who led me to the Lord did not even know me. So she met me, and then she was like, oh, can you come to my office? We just talk about because she used to see me. And then when we went to the office, uh, she pre uh, opened for me the word of God, uh, which was the prodigal son. And then after that, that word touched me. But I, that time, I used to hate God really badly. And I told her that I will give that God one chance. And then she prayed for me on that office. But the next Sunday, I went to another church. They preached again the same prodigal son. And I get saved again on that. So the first person was, was not, didn't even know me. Wow, yeah. how about that? Yeah. Fantastic, Barbara. Uh, for me, uh, it was when I was eight years, seven years, my neighbor, she's working uh, with a uh, kid's church, in a kid's church, so she tried, uh, called me to go to the church as well, and then that way I received, uh, received the Lord, so... And I'm here. So that shows the yes, value of kids' the church. Valleys, yeah, the valleys church. So yeah. we keep going on. And when I, we have this opportunity to, to receive that uh, word, because normally when uh, my parents, they, they completely try, you know, fight between w or them. And uh, that was my, uh, my secure, my, my hope. It was in Jesus, in, in a Jesus, no? And... We pray for my family, so in that time, we got starting, you know, doing something in my life, in my, my family, with my brothers as well, and uh, we are here. Superb, love it. Um, so, back in Poland, a Catholic church, I was introduced by my mom, <laughs> because she was a very strict Catholic, um, but when I came to UK, uh, it was uh, my friend, uh, who I met in a church, um, uh, he was Polish, uh, his name was Zbyszek, and he was kind of had the title of a Polish pastor in, uh, in Southampton because uh, it was a very huge group of Polish uh, people there that was actually, they were converting and they were baptized and so it was a couple hundred people there, so it was, a, it was really good. Super. And, uh, yeah. So friend, Sunday school teacher, a neighbor, and nobody that you knew <laughs> talk about a varied way of finding finding the lord and, and walking with him that's fantastic um in two minutes less than two minutes could you describe pavel what a normal sunday service would look like and sound like for you so back, back in poland back, back in poland in a catholic church it was a uh, very about the routine um <clears throat> so pretty much there was a lot of things that we were doing what You've been just preaching for the past couple of Sundays to not do <laughs> when it comes to prayer. So just following all the routines, just pretty much reading the prayer, um, repeating, 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 but there was no power, no nothing to it. Um, <clears throat> were, um, so the priest would read um, something from the Bible. It was in complete contradiction to what was, because the priest would be reading, for example, oh, um, I wanted to... Uh, the good, good pastor, good priest should should be in charge of the of the family, of the children, of his wife. Of course, priest couldn't have a wife, but everyone was like, no one was doing anything. So he was just turning up to the church. Um, in a small village, it was more about kind of a show off because uh, people were coming in once on Sunday, 
um, everyone was pretending to love each other, <laughs> to <laughs> not argue anything, to have, um, nice clothes and so on, and, uh, and that's how it looked like. So it was a bit of, um, a, bit of a fake kind of approach, right. um, and it was quite empty now when I look from, from a distance. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, superb. So. Barbara? Like, let's see. Uh, in my in Brazil, it's normally is a, there are several uh, services during the day. It's not just one uh, services. Like sevens depend. So it's quite busy and uh, exciting as well. We have a lot of dancing with the children, with the uh, uh, teenagers as well. We go dancing with the pastors. Uh, a lot of things like worship. There, there is there are different uh, type of services like at Pentecostal. If you like uh, during the day or during the the, the, the Sunday, uh, and upstairs there is a Pentecostal, uh, let's say services uh, like Baptists and downstairs. We so we, we can do a lot of things. And uh, it's really exciting. Yeah, in the end of the, the services, we've got a uh, fellowship with uh, our friends. We've got a restaurant outside. We can, you know, have a uh, funny with as well. So, Barbara, you come from a church of about 7,000. Is that right? Sorry? Is it 7,000 7, people? It's, a, it's more than that more because than it's, like a, it's not just one church. It's like a, uh, we've got a... a house groups, but other churches as well. So in the same time, we, we have a lot of different services as well. Uh, in all Belo Horizonte, uh, Higgio, Sao Paulo, is a massive church. There. Right, sure. Yeah. Fantastic. Wilberforce. Yeah, so on our church, uh, actually it's the first time in England that I spent two hours in church, because in my country, <laughs> <laughs> In my country, we go to church at 8.30, we come back, if earliest, 1,400. If there we go. earliest. So I, li I like this. So <laughs> we get to church at 8.30 and go home at 2. At 2, that's earliest, yeah. And who's up for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we come 8.30, from 8.30 until 9, that's prayer time. Then from 9 until 10, that's a Bible study time. Then praise and worship will take from 10 to 11. And then from 11, we have a testimony where someone say what have been happened. Then from 12, the pastor have one hour until one. And then from there, we have uh, when we are giving gifts and all that, people dance around and stuff like that, stuff like that. And then, yeah, it's around two, that's where we finish. And even if you have finished the chat, still people will just chat around until four. So Sunday is a day for, it's the day for Lord. Yeah, nothing Fantastic. else. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> we, could, we could do a bit of that here, can we? Yes. Okay, uh, one last question. Um, did you serve, or what position in church did you serve in when you were back home? Yeah, so when back, ho uh, back home, I used to do uh, Bible study. So it's where I bring not necessarily those people who are new, but even the people who have been in Christianity, they are most of us does not know the Bible well in terms of what did it mean by this or in terms of why did Jesus say this, stuff like that. So I used to teach the Bible. So the Bible studies was really the key thing that I used to do. 
And then also I love to praise. So that's where I use uh, uh, praise and worship as well. So I use to praise as well. Fantastic. Those are and the two things I used and, to enjoy. And back home, Wilberforce's Wilber church, <laughs> they do not have any instruments. No. They, they just clap, as you may have gathered. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Superb. Barbara? And for me, uh, it's a special ministry there. Uh, it's a kids' church. Yeah, with evangelism uh, in a countryside with the poor families. So I have I got a lot of experience in there and uh, the testimonies. So kids church the best one. So help us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. So good plug. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we need many more kids church workers. Yes. Uh, so back. Back in a Catholic church, um, I had a couple of different um, things that I was doing there. One of them was um, every April, uh, during the Easter time, I was part of the grave guard. So for three days, we had to um, protect the grave. A bit of like a symbolic to wow. what was happening back in the uh, Bible time. Um, so that was non-stop. There was two of us who would be at the, at the grave and they would ch uh, were swapping every hour or if they didn't like you so for two hours. <laughs> um, we had like spears and things like this oh, and, wow, uh, really? and it was a bit of a, a show as well later on after the service when we were going and doing different things with spears. Um, that, that was so normal Sunday service was around an hour so <laughs> during the Easter time was around two hours or two and a half hours so of course if you were in a kind of less standing position with a spear, so uh, there was always a couple that would pass out. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so that was the service uh, during the Easter. Um, uh, once a year, we're doing a, like a pilgriming to a, a big church in in, um, uh, in Poland. Uh, so that was 200 miles uh, over 10 days, so it wasn't too bad. Right. So my position there was to kind of like a first aid because, of course, a lot of people had problems with their feet and so on. And then when they recognized that I could actually carry more, that I that others, so they were giving me their backpacks. Oh. And, um, at one point, one day, I was carrying 10 people's backpacks on me, so I was just, you couldn't see me. I was just like walking with it. Um, and the last service was pretty much just a support of uh, uh, around the church. Um, a church was around 1,500 people. Uh, it was probably around five times bigger when it comes to the land, so just uh, looking after all around, the kind of gardening. Um, there was a forest on the side as well. There was a graveyard. So we have to look after all, this, all these things there. So that were my jobs. Wow. Unusual. So if you see Pebble on the door with a spear next week. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I, there's lots of questions I could ask you because it's just so interesting to know what, what the journey for each of you has been like. And it's just been great hearing some of the background of your, of your life. But the uniting thing is the cross. Each one of us have encountered the cross of Jesus Christ. It was that moment that we were brought into the, the wider family, the body of Christ, and how important it is. We are a local body, but we are connected to the whole body. You know, when, when, you, when you read what it says in, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about the body, each one doing its part. And, and, but actually, we are locally that, but we're also part of this global church that Jesus said he's going to come back for one day. He's going to come back in Kenya at the same time he comes back in Brazil, the same time he comes back in Poland. 
And he's going to lift us up out of this place and rapture us to be with him. What a glorious day that will be. What a moment all over the world as the body of Christ are taken to be with him. It's a day that we all look forward to, but we've got a job to do here on the earth until he comes. So thank you, each of you, for sharing this morning. We're just going to watch uh, a short clip on the, on the screens. Good morning, brothers and sisters. I'm Cheryl from Wisconsin, USA. Hola, mi nombre es Lorena. Soy de Cuba. We are from Canada. I'm Mathieu. I'm from France. And I'm from Geneva. My name is Svetlana. I'm from Uzbekistan. Ako po si Geoffrey, nagtatrabaho ngayon sa Qatar. Hello, brothers and sisters. My name is Elizabeth, and I live in Canada. Hello, namaste. Meron naman Joseph. Po siya may asam India siya hong. Я благодарна всемогущему Богу за то, что Он нашел меня. Du début de la création jusqu'à ce jour, sons of God guided undergoing hardships through ups and downs. They went, pero ahora viven bajo su luz. Qui ne pleure pas à cause de l'injustice d'hier? Qui ne laisse pas de larmes pour cette vie si durement gagnée? Qui ne donne pas sa chance pour consacrer son cœur à Dieu? Qui ne veut pas exprimer ses passions et expériences? Et aujourd'hui, euh, on, va, on va chanter cette chanson ensemble. Voilà, je suis ravi euh, de faire ça ici avec tous mes frères et sœurs du monde entier. Je suis un believer de Dieu. Et je n'ai pas eu de temps maintenant. Je veux dire des remerciements à Dieu pour 
его All the glory be to Almighty God. great it's lovely to see the nations of the world celebrating and responding to God in that way um, like I said one of the things I really wanted to do and, and we're doing right across family church this morning is highlighting the the whole process and, and what it looks like to be a part of a church that for us we don't have the persecution but for other nations around the world and for in other individuals They really do. And, and the, just a word in that song, who doesn't weep at yesterday's injustice? Um, who knows what would have happened yesterday in the lives of believers around the world? And you know, I, I don't want to just deflate us in this moment. It is a celebration because when I actually look at the persecuted church of the New Testament, what you actually see is a church that was so strong in God that they're It wasn't a case that they became the poor or the, the, the needy or the, the struggling people. They actually trusted God greater and in a more powerful way. And actually, what you see around the world is those who face persecution have a stronger faith and a deeper relationship with God because He is all they have. He is the only answer to their need. And what you see is an, a, a group of believers that are so strong. So let's not be downhearted or, or, or negative, but let's thank God, number one, that we live in a free nation, but actually let's pray today for those who don't and let it continue to be a focus of our prayers. I want to read a scripture from Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. And I'm only going to be short because I want us to pray as well. Um, and I'm conscious that we've got dinners sort of heating around the building. Um, so I don't want anything to overcook. But in Matthew, it says this, Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you 
when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who went before you. You know, when you look at this passage of scripture, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, rejoice when you're persecuted. Be encouraged when you're going through hardship. But actually, when you see the grace of God and the mercy of God move upon the lives. If, has anybody ever read the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs? Anybody ever read that book? Yeah, when you read that book and you hear or you, you understand the depth of persecution that during the dark ages that Christians went through, and yet they would be, they would be going through such persecution, but the grace and the mercy of God upon their lives enabled them to go through those things rejoicing and thankful that they had a relationship with God. It doesn't make sense, but actually... You know, when you read the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about those that went through such persecution. We know in the early days of the, of, of the church that oh, it was just wonderful. Those first few days, first few weeks, or perhaps months, it was wonderful. And then the Roman authorities rose up. Then the religious authorities rose up. But what happened is the church spread and if it wasn't for the church spreading, who knows what nations would have heard of the gospel. But the gospel spread and lives, that their lives, were, they counted their lives but nothing for the glory of living for him. What a revelation that my life means nothing unless I live. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That revelation needs to become our revelation because clearly in the New Testament church and the church around the world in many nations, that is their revelation. There are over 360 million Christians throughout the world who are facing persecution every day. 360 million Christians. That's an astonishing number. And they face it every day. Not, not just now and again. You know, I faced persecution when I was a postman many years ago. They didn't like the fact that I was a Christian. They tried to mock crucify me at one of the desks in my office, in, in the post office. That, to me, isn't persecution. They didn't nail me there. They didn't eventually tie me up. But they tried to do it. Everyone thinks your postman's lovely. I can tell you, when I was a postman, they weren't all lovely. And there was persecution for being a Christian. But I didn't lose my family. I didn't lose my job. I didn't lose my livelihood. I didn't lose everything for the sake of the gospel and Jesus Christ. But people, 360 million, are facing life or, or life or death circumstances, work or no work, finance or no finance, every single day of their lives. We can sit back and feel comfortable. But I want to stir us up as a church that we don't sit comfortably as a Christian, that we actually pray for 
the persecuted church around the world. Not just on a global Sunday, but that in your prayer time, when you go into your closet and you close the door and you pray, that one of your prayers isn't, Lord, bless me, bless me, my name's Jimmy. Lord, give me, give me, my name's Jimmy. That, that it's not just that prayer, but that we have a worldview of the church, a worldview of your brothers and sisters who are going through tough times. There are many organizations that are helping the persecuted church around the world who are facing ongoing violence, death, and persecution. I'm just going to name some of them. Open Doors. We're going to see a, de- a short clip in a minute of Open Doors. Release International. Barnabas Fund. Children's Solidarity, Christian Solidarity Worldwide. Christian Freedom International. And China, I can't remember their one, China's support group, we'll call it. But they all play a vital role in supporting and, and being with Christians throughout the world. And I just believe it's time for us to be praying. You may already have prayers or praise, uh, prayers that you pray on a regular basis for the nations that are represented on these flags. But I tell you, we need to be a people who are standing alongside those in our brothers and sisters. We can play a role. We can play a vital role in their lives. I want us to have a quick look at this clip because it identifies some of the nations where things are hardest for them. What would you dare to do for Jesus? Would you defy dictators? Worship in secret? Sacrifice your safety? Over 360 million Christians around the world face persecution and discrimination every day. And these are the top 10 countries where Christians risk everything for Christ. Number 10, Sudan. Unrest in Sudan has increased following a military coup. Violence and pressure against Christians have worsened. At number nine, Afghanistan. Following the Taliban takeover, those Christians who have not fled the country have been forced deep underground. If discovered, they face death. Iran is at number eight. Iranian house churches are seen as a threat by the Islamist regime. Church members who are caught are given long prison sentences. Number seven, Pakistan. Pakistan's infamous blasphemy laws are often used to target believers. Christian women and girls are vulnerable to kidnap and forced marriage. Nigeria is at number six. More Christians are killed in Nigeria than in all the other countries of the world combined. And the violence is getting worse. Number five, Libya. In this lawless land, both native and migrant Christians are targeted, kidnapped, and even killed. At number four is Eritrea. Christians who dare to meet without official permission risk arrest. Over a thousand believers are in jail without charge. Yemen is number three on the list. 
The humanitarian crisis continues. Anyone suspected of being a Christian will be deliberately overlooked for aid and might be expelled or killed by their own tribe. Number two is Somalia. Islamic militants are intensifying their hunt for Christians and violent attacks are increasing. And at number one, North Korea, the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. Spies are everywhere. Discovery means death, either by execution or by being worked to death in a labor camp. Despite the danger, in all these countries, the church is not defeated. It is living, powerful, defiant. And for over 65 years, Open Doors has stood with this church. Where Christians risk persecution, our underground networks support millions of believers with emergency food and aid, spiritual care, smuggled Bibles and Christian books, training and legal advice. And where Christians enjoy freedom, we work with local churches to raise prayer and support and to speak truth to those in power. Every day around the world, Christians risk everything to follow Christ. Will you dare to stand with them? It's great to highlight. It's sad to see, but will it move you? Will it move us as a church? Will it move us in our prayer times? Will it move us to be able to support in any way we can? 5,621 Christians have been murdered this year. 2,110 churches have been attacked. 4,542 Christians have been detained. Someone once said this, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And I look at that and I think, the church will not stop because God called us to be the church in the whole world. And because we're the church in the whole world, he will protect, he will sustain, he will deliver, he will bring through. And those who lose their lives the seed of their life will be a harvest for somebody else. Nothing will stop his church in this world. In Acts 5, verse 41, the apostles rejoiced that they had been counted worthy to share in the sufferings of Christ. It seems alien to us, but they counted it worthy. They counted it a joy. Can we be a church that prays? Will you rise up and be one that prays for, prays with the nations around the world? This morning, I'm going to ask you just to stand with me as we pray. I'm not going to name them one by one. You've seen the top 10 of our nations. They're represented on the flags in this room. But let's stand for our brothers and sisters. And we're going to pray for Israel. In the moment that they're going through, the Bible very clearly says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Israel. So, Father, we just stand in your presence this morning. 
Lord, for those who are our brothers and sisters around the world. Lord, we pray for them this day where they will be running churches, underground churches, hidden churches, churches where they worship in silence. We lift them before you and we pray for everyone. Lord, that they would know the mercy and the grace of God, that they would know your peace in the midst of turmoil. Father, those that are questioning where and why, Father, give them the answers to their their questions, Lord, I pray. Give them answers. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would be the God of comfort to those who have lost loved ones, that you would be the God of strength in the midst of their danger. But Father, I pray, send forth the ministering angels that they would minister to those who are heirs of salvation. Protect them when authorities come looking for them. Protect them when their neighbors are spying on them. Protect them from, Lord, those that they're employed by. Father, I pray a hedge of protection around your believers. Lord, that they would let their light shine. But, Father, they would be hidden from authorities when they come looking. Father, we cry out to you on their behalf. Lord, I thank you that your blood was shed for our salvation, for our deliverance, for our healing. Lord, those that are in prison camps, those that are in work camps, Lord, I pray supernatural strength. Lord, that they would know that you are close by, that they would know that you are the strength in their days. And Father, I pray that in their journey, Lord, that they would see your provision. Lord, if they've not got money, Lord, may the angels of heaven, may the the birds of the air feed them just as they did in the Bible times. But Father, we lift them before you. In every nation, every tongue and every tribe, we lift them before you. And Father, this morning, we lift Israel before you. Lord, for Benjamin Netanyahu, Father, that you would be wisdom in his heart at this time. Lord, that you would give them strength in the face of opposition. And Father, we pray for the release of those captives. We pray, Father, that no further harm would come to them. Lord, those that are mourning at this time, Lord God, I pray that you would be the God of comfort over their life. Father, forgive us when we turn a blind eye. Forgive us when we don't even give a second thought. But Father, burden us. Put a burden in our heart for the nations, for our brothers and sisters around the world, that we would lift them in prayer, that we would stand with them in their dark moments, that we would be in prayer for them in their last breath. Father, stir your church to prayer. That we will be known as a house of prayer. Father, we just thank you this day. Lord, let your hand be upon our lives. Let your grace be upon your church. And may the mercy of God be with us now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Fantastic.